thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. Tonight we're going to be talking about deliverance ministry. A lot of times people think that a Christian cannot have oppression from a demon, but I'm here to say that you can. Yeah. I don't know why the church thinks that. I think sometimes they hang on to that verse about being sealed by the Spirit, and we're sealed for um, salvation and eternity, but it doesn't say that we cannot be oppressed by demons. Right. It never says that. Amen. You know, throughout the course of history, God has always made a way for his people to be delivered from bondages. Do you know that? Yes, To he set has. people free. Yeah, he has. And for myself, I was one of those Christians that thought Christians cannot be demon-possessed or oppressed. Right. It wasn't until I had an experience myself that I knew that wasn't true. Yes. And I'll share that testimony with you before we even begin. I have given my life to Christ, baptized and even baptized in the Holy Spirit. Born again, walking in the Spirit, living life in the Spirit, and um, never really thought anything about demons or possession or oppression or any of that stuff. Now, over my years of adolescent teenage years and, and everything as well, that I have been involved in some things like just like most kids they would get involved in Ouija boards or maybe playing games with kids like light as a feather and you know all of those things right when you're in high school and you're under that kind of peer pressure to just it's cool and hanging out there's so many ways you can open the door for demonic activity huh right yes And so I didn't think anything about those things at that time and never really got delivered from those. Now, I believe when I got saved that there was some deliverance that took place, but I don't think it was full. I don't think I was fully delivered from some of those things. I think I carried them over the years. And why I believe that is because of the situation that came up. So let me just give you guys a testimony that here I am, we pastor a church, we minister to people every Sunday, and one specific Sunday, so I I get a lot of prophetic dreams and visions and things like that. So during the night, I had this dream that there was a woman running in the forest, and she was kind of like screaming out and running, very frightened, And I happened to see that she had this thing attached to her hip, and it looked horrible. I mean, it looked like that little thing, Golem, on the Lord of the Rings. Mm. And as I seen her, I heard a whisper, and I heard a name that is from like a scary movie from back in the, I don't know if it was in the 90s or whatever, but I heard the, title the name. The was Carrie. Right, and I heard the name Carrie, and it was just like a whisper. And when I heard that, all of a sudden, like, this girl is running through the forest, and the next thing you know, I'm running through the forest, 
And I thought, what am I doing here? And I look back and I see this thing then attached to me. So the next day, I wake up that morning. It was a Sunday morning. And I was like, man, I think that the enemy was trying to give me nightmares. And I just dismissed it. I just said, that's not a dream from God. That's, you know, it's a nightmare. And I'm going to dismiss that dream. And But I had told my sister about it that morning. And I thank God that I did because she helped to shed light on it later. So we get to church that day. Now, mind you, I had never done deliverance ministry in my life. So at this point, the weekend before all of this went down, we were coming back from a conference in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And our family pastor had sent us a Derek Prince book. It was an audio book on deliverance. Expelling demons. Expelling demons. And so we were driving back, and we had a long road trip. So we listened to this entire book in its entirety. You know, not thinking anything of it, like that's interesting or whatever. And in his book, he even talks about how Christians can have demons. And I thought, I kind of was like, "Eh, I don't know about his theology, but whatever. And so then fast forward to this weekend, this is all going down. I had had this dream. Now I'm getting up, going to church. We get to church. We have um, the whole service and everything. At the end, there was a girl that used to come to our church, and then she had moved away, and then she had come back for that weekend just as a visiting trip. Yeah. And I hadn't seen her in a little while. So at the end of the service, she had come up for prayer, and Joseph had said, Hey, Mandy, I want you to come pray with this girl because you know i want you to come pray with her he even said her name i didn't even register to me because we knew her she had just been gone for a while or whatever i go over to pray for her i said how can i help you you know what what do you need prayer for today and she says well i'm i've been having pain in my hip and it's been going on for a long time i've been prayed over it won't go away but she's seen doctors and obviously Nothing was helping. Right. She she still had the pain. And I said, okay. I still am not thinking about my dream, you know, at all. And I just said, okay, yeah, we're going to pray for it. And uh, so we began to pray. And as we began to pray, the Lord brought that whole dream back. I seen the girl running in the forest. And then I heard the name whispered, Carrie. And this girl's name is Carrie. And I knew immediately then it was a demonic presence on her. Yeah. And I said, and I didn't even know how to say it to her. This is the first time I had done a deliverance. So I just simply looked at her and I said, I don't mean to scare you, but you have a demon that's attached to your hip. And she said, okay. And I said, we're going to pray for that to go. And she said, okay. So she was on board with it, and we began to pray, and all of a sudden, it's like she flew back into the floor. She started bouncing off the floor, and like she, her, you know, her head was going back and forth. She began to speak in like a demonic sounding tongue. It was very strange. 
And then, um, of course, we're like, what is happening here? Because we were, we'd never seen anything like this. And at that point, I remember you got up, you went to the altar and prayed. You got up, you went to the door, you opened the door. Yeah, so Lord this thing could leave. The door so we can get rid of this thing. Right. We're commanding it. Right? right. We're commanding it to go. I look back. Luckily, by this time, most of the church had already been emptied out, but there was a handful of leaders there in the back of the sanctuary. And I said, please come forward. If you have a prayer tongue, use it. Yes. And they began to pray in tongues. And the last thing we heard was this screeching scream and then all of a sudden this calm came over her so she laid there for a minute she rested in the spirit and then when she finally got up she was just like i asked her is she okay the pain was gone it wasn't bothering her everything was good i was like man wow you know that was really strange so we didn't think nothing of it we go on about our daily lives. I didn't feel any different myself. Yeah. Probably about a week later, I began having really bad hip pain. And I didn't even realize at the time, like, I didn't connect it. And so we ended up going to another conference. But on the way to that conference, that conference was very spirit-filled. And on the way there, I got so deathly ill. I mean, like, I thought I wasn't going to make it. It was that bad. And I remember even being spoken over a prophetic word that was not good. And I rebuked that word. And we came home, and I remember you took me to the emergency room. They couldn't find anything wrong with me. Right. Nothing. Um, The church was praying. They all knew that I looked very ill at that time. And... I was just, I wasn't sure what to do. And I remember laying in the bed, and it was over the weekend, and my sister called me. And she says, Mandy, the Lord spoke to me and told me to remind you of the end of your dream. Do you remember when you seen that thing on you at the end? And I said, yes. And she said, I believe this thing has, has attached itself to you. and You got to command it to go. She said, is there anybody there? I said, it's just Joe. Well, then he's going to have to do it by himself. So I remember calling you into the bedroom. I said, Joe, you're going to have to cast this thing out of me. And you brought the Bible in. You brought anointing oil in. But I remember in your sincerity, you were so sincere when you began to tell it to go in Jesus' name. But you were more or less praying instead of commanding it and i remember the words of Derek prince that we had to take authority over those things and i just i knew in my spirit at that moment that i you wasn't taking that authority at that moment i mean it was in our early days of deliverance but i knew i had to tell this thing to go so i took my fist and balled it up and i punched myself like in the stomach i just And I said, get out of me now. And when I said that, I flew backwards. Yeah. I began to bounce off the floor. My arm and shoulders was twisting backwards. I almost felt like it was going to dislocate. My mind at that moment was what's happening to me. And I began to bounce. And 
all of a sudden the scream started to leave my mouth and it was the same thing it was like that demonic tongue right that was coming out that i had no control over and i was bouncing off the floor and everything and i remember when that scream started to come out it felt like fire down my throat right it hurt so bad that i almost tried to stop it and i remember holy spirit spoke to me and said no you've got to let it go it's going to hurt but it's you it's going to it's going to be over right. you got to let this go up and out and he holy spirit comforted me during that moment of deliverance right and it was weird because most people would be like how can holy spirit be in you and then you experience these things but i did when that left me i was like i immediately felt a difference i was better Mm -hmm. but then i have to admit so what happened is over the course of the next week there was still more sickness coming about and more deliverance. And there was a teams, there was teams of people throughout the week that was coming in and helping in portions of my deliverance. Right. And what we come to discover later was that there was things that probably I had carried for years that I hadn't been delivered of. This one thing entered when that got cast out, it stirred the rest up right. like a hornet's nest. Mm-hmm. And I began to get delivered of all of those things. And finally, by that, that week's end, the final deliverance happened. It was all expelled. And it was for the first time in my life I felt freedom like I had never felt. And I had been a Christian my whole life. Right. But what I learned is, first I was like, what did I do? What did I do wrong You know, to make this happen to me? And it was like, I didn't realize, and in speaking to somebody that really studied different things on what gives demons access legally to us, and all of those things, I sat down with him, and he began to talk through some of the things that maybe I had activity in. And it was like, we were going through different things, and he said something about yoga. And I said, oh, yeah, I do yoga And he says, oh, no, you can't do that, Mandy. I was like, why? It's just an exercise. He said, no, it's actually a form of worship. It's a Hindu worship to another god. And I said, I had no idea. I thought I was doing exercise. So here I had inadvertently opened myself up and given the enemy legal access through that. So here when I began to do deliverance ministry, it was easy. I was an easy target for the enemy because I wasn't in a place of living a fasted lifestyle. And by that, I mean, not participating, not partaking in sin. And even it, even unbeknownst to me, you know, I thought that it was innocent that I was partaking in yoga yet. I had given the enemy legal access over my life through uh, worshiping false gods. Right. So. Yep. Yeah, deliverance, simply put, is just uh, victory, right? Right. Um, you achieve victory once you're delivered, and, and deliverance is also getting something that was taken from you back. Right. Right. My innocence, in a sense. Right. When I realized 
man, I had been carrying this around and I didn't even know it. There was such a heaviness on my heart for other people that's walking around in bondage that may not even know that they're carrying spirits. To be honest, I delivered her. God even showed me in a vision, in a dream, what was going to take place. And I still didn't realize this thing had attached. Right. They have a way of hiding until they have to be called out. But once it was called out and once it was it was identified and called out, it had to go because of the authority in Christ. Right. You know, I look at uh, Matthew 12 and verse 43 through 45, it talks about how an unclean spirit goes out of a man and it goes through dry places seeking rest and, and finds none. And then he says, well, I'm going to return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. And he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Show it, so it shall be also with the wicked generation. In just those three verses, we see there that God has given us quite a bit of information as to what's going on behind the scenes in the spiritual realm. Like once a demon is cast out of somebody, right? it tells us what happens. And so to break that down, God is trying to tell us here in this verse, he's saying here, the very first sentence tells us right off the bat that you're dealing with a demonic spirit that's been cast out of somebody. And it says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man. So an unclean spirit is demonic. And the fact that it's going out of a man means that he was on the inside of a man. Right. So it tells us that it's in a man. Yes. I'll be honest with you. When I had my deliverance, it came up out of me. It was in. Right, right. Now, a lot of people will say, how can a demon be inside of a Christian if we carry Holy Spirit? Well, we carry Holy Spirit in us, but just like God is a triune God, we are a triune being. We are body, soul, and we're spirit, and he resides in our spirit, but our body is still open for those things. It's still flesh. So when you look at the, the temple, there was the outer court there was the inner court and there was the holy of holies right so you have to look at that like our body the holy of holies was where the holy spirit resides in us but the outer court and the inner court anything can enter that you know it's i mean granted there was only the high priest could go into the holy of holies and that was only once a year right the veil has been torn we can go into the holy of holies at any time but only as Christians, only because we have been redeemed right. by the blood of Jesus. Amen. Those spirits can never enter that or affect that, but our body can be right. if we give access to it, if we open a door to let it in. Or or even clean out your mind, right? I mean, right. right today, in today's society, it's like meditate and get everything empty in your mind. And that scripture you just read... It's saying, hey, the spirit comes back and finds the house in order, swept clean and, and empty. empty. Right. And, and and meditation is a great thing when it's on the word. When you're meditating on but the word. But the false yes. 
the false version of that is emptying of the mind, which yes. is not good. We don't want to do that. We want to fill our mind up with Christ. Yeah. We want to have his mind. Yeah, when I, when I read that scripture, scripture, I thought, oh, man, I don't even want to be the old Joe, let alone seven times worse than the old Joe, because I knew what type of demonic spirits that I had on me. And and the, the alcoholism, the you know, the drug addiction, the womanizing, all that, all that crazy stuff that's not of God, right? And it got cast out of me. And so what I did is I replaced it with the Word, with God, with the Holy Spirit. You know, I focused my mind on the things above, right, and not the things here on earth, right? Mm. Yeah. And if I had not had the experience that I had myself, I wouldn't have believed Derek Prince. I mean, to be honest, I didn't believe a lot of what he was saying. I believed in deliverance ministry, but not what I was hearing him say that a Christian could carry that. Right. After that, it opened my eyes that everything that he taught was 100% truth. And he knew it from his own experiences. Right. I think there's still a lot of Christians walking around thinking falsely that they cannot be influenced by a demon or possessed or oppressed by a demon but they absolutely can if they give that demon legal access now here's the thing just like a christian can come to christ give their life to christ begin to walk in the things of god but then if they begin to sin sin opens a door for the enemy period right and with that opening the door for the enemy allows those spirits to have legal access that's something that if a lot of Christians don't realize that, they will blindly do that. Yeah. yeah, this topic's been distorted from the church history. In recent times, it's even gotten worse because people, it almost seems like there's a revival of, of deliverance happening right now. Do you agree? I mean, we got there Greg Locke down there doing his thing. And, he is. And, I'm glad. For a long time, deliverance ministry has been something that's been looked at negatively. Our church has been one of the only churches, I believe, in not just our area, but in the state right. that has really been actively involved in deliverance. Mm-hmm. And if you look at some of the surrounding states, I didn't know of any. Right. And to be honest, we knew Greg Locke prior to him getting into deliverance ministry, and he was not about that at right. all. Right. It wasn't until he had an experience right. in his own church that opened his eyes to it. And if anybody's ever seen his his movie, Come out he, he does name. have a documentary yeah. that talks about it. It opened his eyes. But I believe God is using him to propel that forward to bring people back to what he was doing anyway. Jesus done so many deliverances. I mean, half of the healings that he did that we read about in the Bible was deliverance. Right, right. And so... He's using him and his influence to reach people. Right. And I think that's good. It's brought this reawakening of people uh, recognizing deliverance ministry and maybe even being a little bit more accepting of it. Right. Well, you know, it's funny. We just went and seen Nefarious not too long ago, a couple weeks ago. And and I always am talking about this spot where the guy's possessed by a demon and his psychologist or his doctor, the doctors that that's interviewing him, tells him you've got a demon in, in, that has taken residence in your body. So guess what? I'm going to have a priest come in here and deliver from you. And he's like, 
okay, and he really didn't care. But then when the priest started walking through the cell and coming towards him, he started freaking out, right? And he's, like, getting up and trying to pull away from the priest. But what the priest says, like the rest of the church, I don't believe in demons. And then the demon, the guy sits down and he says, oh, I think I like you. Because the guy comes in without that authority, without that knowledge that we're not battling flesh and blood, but we're battling principalities, right? We're right. we're battling the demonic realm, and, and, and that's where our battle has to take place at. That's right. Well, and the thing is, is that once a demon is able to get on the inside of somebody, they usually aren't going to leave unless they're either cast out by God himself mm-hmm. or another Christian who's acting under God's leading and authority to cast that demon out. Yeah. You know, when we go back and look at that verse in Matthew, the next sentence says that the demon then wants to return to the house from which he came out earlier. So the house is referring to the person's body that he was cast out of. And after he's cast out, the verse tells us then that the same demon will periodically return to see if that person slipped up in any way. In other words, in order to give him legal right to come back and re-enter. And so demons cannot enter into a person's body just because they want to. There are spiritual laws that govern what happens, and that's an operation in the realm of the spirit. And so they they have to abide by those laws that were set up by God. So in order for them to be able to enter into a person's body, they have to have some kind of legal right, a legal permission to be able to do so. And so when we look at what some of those legal rights are, there's so many different things that can let them in, but we know that sin is that common door. Yeah. I'd say the biggest ones that stand out is drugs. Right. Drugs is terrible one to really let those demons in because we're given over total control, mind, body. Usually it's the heavier drugs. Pornography. You know? <laughs> Pornography's one. Abusing alcohol's one as well alcoholism can allow that in the deliverance that we did we know that that came from an occult we found out from the girl that she was involved in some occult and witchcraft there's satanic worship that can open the door for that Uh, ouija boards any kind of like new age stuff like you talked about the emptying of the mind that kind of thing can do it but not every person who does all those things either will draw a demon into them, but it does give the demon legal access that they could. Right. It's weird because you'll see some people that come out of that lifestyle. They don't seem to have any problems and you'll see other people that it's happened to. So we don't have any answers for why it happens to one and not the other. All I know is that demons are not like God. They can't be everywhere. They're not omnipresent. Right. Uh, so, and they travel around. They usually travel in packs. So they stick together. Like bitterness usually carries anger and hatred and rage and all those other host of demons with it. Right. They move in packs like almost like a gang. Yeah. And, and you know what the sad thing is that we fight that with an earthly perspective. Yeah, we do. Instead of, instead of a heavenly perspective. If you really don't know. You're just trying to battle it the way you battle everything else in, in, on earth. And, and that's not how, the, believe me, the demons are laughing at that, right? Yeah, yeah. They're not going to voluntarily give up their position once they're in somebody's body. They're not going to just 
offer to leave. They don't want to go. Even we see in scripture when Jesus cast the demon out of the one man, they begged him, don't send us away. At least let us go into the pigs. And he allowed that to happen. And then the pigs jumped off of the, the cliff or whatever. But they don't want to go. But they have to leave when we command them to go in the name of Jesus and when we're walking in Jesus. When we look at the verse that it seeks for rest and finds none, and that dimension that he's roaming about in is dry compared to what he's inhabiting with us. But it tells us that they prefer living on the inside of a person's body rather than being roaming in the air. We see that. Right. And just like when they begged Jesus not to just cast them out, like let us at least go into these pigs, it was like they preferred something besides just being in the air. What's crazy is that it returns back, you know, when we read that verse further, it returns back to the same person. So they're checking them out to see if they have any legal right to come back in and re-enter. Right. So if he finds it empty, then he apparently has the legal right to be able to enter back in. Who knows why God is using that word empty, but maybe it's to tell us that we have to become spirit-filled. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need something in our life. We need the word. We need to be filled with the word. We need to be filled with the spirit of God. But in that, it could be that whatever the case is, these demons are coming back. Now they're bringing seven more with them. So if they have legal access to come back in, they're not just coming in alone. Right, right. And I've noticed too that Like, we've done so many deliverance ministries over the years, and a lot of times it'll go in layers where you're like, one's coming out, the next one's coming out, but you know when you get to the strong man, because that one, when it leaves, it usually leaves screaming. Right, right. And I mean, like, deliverance can happen in a lot of different ways. Some people can yawn or burp or sigh because it's leaving through the airway. Generally speaking, we've noticed that the strong man, or in cases of a cult or witchcraft, those usually leave with a screaming demon. They leave with resistance. When that one's up and out, usually they're all gone. If you're doing deliverance, just like Jesus, when the disciples said, how did you cast that demon out of him? We tried, it wouldn't leave. And Jesus said, much prayer and fasting. Yes. And a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, you got to sit and fast. I am in total agreement that if we know we have a heavy deliverance going to happen, we will fast. We know it's like we're this is going to be taking place. I'm going to fast and pray. But there's times that we don't know if it's coming. And you just, when you're walking in the spirit and you're living life in the spirit, you might have to do deliverance on the fly. But Here's what I feel like God is also saying is that that comes from much prayer and fasting. It's a lifestyle of fasting. That means it's a lifestyle of fasting from sin. You're walking in holiness. You're walking being set apart, consecrated to God. It doesn't mean we all don't fall short from time to time, but there's repentance. There's being back in 
in that place of right standing. We're not deliberately trying to go out and sin. We're not living in deliberate sin, but we're striving to be consecrated to him. Yes. And I believe that that's what it takes to really see a heavy anointing and deliverance ministry. Everybody's called to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons and all of that, but you'll see some people walking in a heavier anointing than another. And I believe the more consecrated we become to Christ, where we're turning from that sin, we're not giving the enemy legal access. There's more authority that comes through the believer. That's a lifestyle of fasting. I agree. I agree. You know, it's funny because we got this church mindset that, hey, we can get them to come to the altar and say the sinner's prayer, right? And and now they're saved, but we never clean them up. We never, they, they actually, it should be that we deliver them first <laughs> because they've been running around in this world picking up a bunch of junk probably hanging on them. And, and we should just be delivering them and then asking them to accept Christ. But you know what? Christ is the deliverer, right? He is. Yeah, so maybe ask Christ, then deliver. (laughs) Right. Well, and it's crazy because there's some people that when they're saved, they are delivered all at the same time. You know, there's a word called sozo, and that's a Greek word, and what that word means is saved, healed, and delivered. It's like the whole package. And I think some people are sozoed all at once. They're saved, healed, and delivered. And then there's other people that it happens in phases. They're Mm -hmm. saved. They might even be healed, but they're still walking around. Or they might be saved and delivered, but they're still not fully healed from the traumas. And so there's a lot of different things that could be taking place. Holy Spirit knows exactly what you're going through, but he'll set it up in time. I believe she came in to us because it was the right place at the right time, and God even knew and prepared us for what was going to take place. Right. Granted, yeah, up until that point, we never seen a, a, any kind of demonic activity. And, and, right. And for that book to be given to us, right. and we had the opportunity to re- listen to it and kind of read it and study it on the way home. That was preparing us. God, God knew how to prepare us for what was about to take place. So he knew what was happening. He always right. knows what's happening, right? He knows what's happening. And even though I look back and I say, man, why did that? Why did I have to be afflicted with that then? Right. But I believe there was stuff, like I said, that got stirred up that I believe had I not experienced that, I wouldn't have gotten freedom from all the other junk that was cast out with it. Right. So he was glorified through it. And in that, I learned a lot on deliverance because it happened to me personally. You know, there's a lot of people that do deliverance ministry. And do they have to have been delivered themselves? No, they don't have to. But if they have, there's a deeper revelation and understanding because they've been on the other side of it. I believe that makes them stronger in deliverance, a stronger anointing in deliverance. It's just like... A lot of people that's been healed from something, like we've seen mothers that have had barren wombs, their wombs be open, and they pray over other women that want to have children. There's a stronger anointing that they carry to do that. In the same way, I believe that those that have been delivered carry a stronger anointing for deliverance. Not that God can't use everyone, and he calls us all to deliverance ministry. It's amazing to see how God works through deliverance to bring wholeness to the body. I will say that 
in my years of deliverance, because we've done this now for quite a number of years, we've been involved with many deliverance. We've had people that's been getting baptized and began to manifest demons in the water. And then they get some deliverance right there. But then it stirs up some others, and we've had to do deliverance. We just had one recently that that happened to. We've had people that begin to manifest right in the middle of service because the anointing of God and the glory of the Lord is so heavy that it just begins to manifest right there. Yes. Either way it goes, don't be afraid of walking in the authority and power of God to do deliverance. The testimony that I shared with you was to let you know my experience. I don't want anyone to be frightened. I'll be honest with you and very vulnerable and tell everyone here that there was a while after that happened, because it was my first experience, and I thought, I don't want to go through this again. It was horrible. I didn't want to relive that. And there was part of me that felt like I wanted to stay away from deliverance, but it was a lie from the enemy, He didn't want me to be involved in deliverance. It took a while for God to really heal me of the trauma from that, to bring me to a place where I was like, I'm able to do this again. And he showed me the authority and the power that I walk in. Yes. And it's been beautiful. Now, since then, under his direction, I've done children's deliverance, and that's a little bit different. I want to talk about that a little bit, too. I've had a lot of people say, oh, well, you must know the demon's name to call it out. That's not true. I will tell you from experience, we've done plenty of deliverance. You don't need to know its name. As a matter of fact, it's best not to speak to it. (laughs) It's best not to do that. If under the unction of Holy Spirit, he leads you to inquire its name, that's as far as the conversation should go, and it's only for the purpose of, casting it out or calling it out with that a lot of people think you have to yell or get loud when you do deliverance and that's not true either as a matter of fact ida and harold hammonds they wrote a book called pigs in the parlor they studied under Derek prince also so they have a lot of the same kind of correlating thoughts and They share a lot of their experiences, and they actually have a book about children's deliverance and their experiences in that. I was able to draw on that when I was asked to do deliverance in a child, and I did it. And I've done multiple children's deliverances now, all of which have went really well. I can, I mean, it's only by the grace of God, but in that, You have to be careful when you're doing children's deliverance because you don't want the child to take that on themselves, you know, or to feel like they're bad or they're doing something wrong. There's a lot that we could go into on children's deliverance, but I've learned that you definitely don't get loud. You can whisper and a spirit can hear you in a whisper and you can command it to go. It works. Right. I heard Greg say once we was down there, he says, the thing is, when we're delivering this demon out, you have to make it your enemy. You can't make right. it your friend. If I, if you make it your friend, we're not going to be able to get it out. And that's so true. If you want to be delivered from smoking, you got to make smoking your enemy. That's right. If you want to be delivered from alcoholism, you right. got to make alcohol your enemy. Right. You know, you can't 
oh, it's okay. And I find I, comfort I, in yeah. it. And, right. Yep. Yeah, it has to be an enemy. That's a good point to make. Generally, when we get somebody coming forward wanting freedom from something, the first thing we ask them is, do you want to be delivered? Right. Uh, do you want to be healed? Because, you know, Jesus asked that question. Right. And he asked it for that very reason. You know, a lot of times people will say they want healing, but there's sometimes fear that's involved in their lives that they don't want to be without that. Because for some reason, they don't know life outside of the pain or affliction that they've been in. And it's a comfortable place for them. And so they'll say they want it. But then when it comes right down to it, the bottom line is they don't. Right. Because it's comfort for them. It's a friend to them. And people can bring it back. So even if we spend all that time casting it out, if they give it a door to welcome it back because they're longing for it, they're going to be right back to square one. They do have to make it an enemy. I I think sometimes people make their identity that demon. Right. So if they get their identity in some kind of illness or whatever, that they like to hold on to it because they get sympathy, they get pity, they get... Uh, love well and it it's even a way out like it's an excuse Mm -hmm. so that if they fail or if something doesn't go right in their life they can blame it on that and not have to take responsibility themselves right right. they have a scapegoat you know it's funny because you you know our doctors from africa and he he told me he said man joe he said over there revivals and the demonic presence is crazy he said they have a separate tent of expelling demons. And he said, and so many more miracles happen over there. And I really believe the reason that happens is because we look at America and what do we have available? We have welfare. We have disability. We have all this extra stuff where they don't have that over there. So they can't rely on the government to be the God. So they actually want to get rid of these demons. They right. want to get healed. They they do not want these things controlling their life. Because guess what? There's no benefits in it. Right. Well, they need to go to work. Yeah. They need to make money. They need to be able to provide. And these things are hindrances to their life. And you're right. We do have it more comfortable here. And I think we live in a culture where they, there's no belief in that. Right. It's just like you said with the movie, there was the, oh, this isn't real. And so people don't believe in it. Therefore, they don't take stock in that. And they just go about kind of just in this dream state of give me medications and let me just do this and that with it. And I'm not by any means saying stop taking your medications or anything like that. You should definitely go under direction of the doctor. But if you get deliverance, your doctor is going to know you don't need that medication anymore because it's messing things up rather than helping. Right. Be under their direction to tell you if you should come off of it. I definitely believe there's so much to the deliverance. I think that we are not doing enough as the body of Christ in deliverance. I think we look at diseases, we look at afflictions that people walk in and addictions and everything else, and we see that as bigger than God sometimes. That's that's where the state of the church is in most of America right now, is that they see these diseases, these afflictions as bigger than God, instead of seeing God as the ultimate. And, you know, we talk about faith without works is dead. Right. And that right there is proof of it. That's right there is an example of it. 
if we know how big our God is and how great and how wonderful he is, we know that whatever he says trumps whatever the doctors say, whatever condition people are walking in, that they can find freedom, they can find deliverance, they can find healing for their body and freedom from addictions. Chains can be broken. And I believe that as a church, we've failed to do that for so long that the state of this country is in a bad place. Right. Today, your sermon was talking about how the fields are ripe for the harvest, but the laborers are few. Right. There needs to be more people rising up and returning to the simplicity of the gospel, yes. which is freely you've received, freely give. He commissions us to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to, to do these the these works. Right. right, raise the dead, Cleanse make the disciples lepers. of all nations, right. teaching them, baptizing them, the whole works. And we're not doing enough of that. We've no. made it complicated, and it's about board meetings, and it's about programs, programs mm-hmm. and all these beautiful, wonderful things. And look at what we've got here to offer people. And it's not about that. No. It's about the gospel and its simplicity. Yep. Being an outward-reaching church that's moving in those things. Amen. Being a city on a hill. Yes. That people can come to and find deliverance, can find healing. Yes. And God is the great physician. He's the mighty deliverer. It's not us. It's him that does it all. Amen. But we have to be willing vessels. We really do. And I just want to encourage everybody listening to walk in the gifts of God for deliverance ministry. I cannot emphasize that enough. Amen. Don't be afraid of it. Don't run away from it. Don't be ashamed of it. Mm. Romans one sixteen says, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Right. And the gospel in its whole, it's everything that he commissioned us to do and to walk in. Right. I mean, that is the gospel. When he says go and lay hands on the sick and cast out demons, that's the gospel. Right. Don't be ashamed of it. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. You know, so John go 3, 3, and walk in it. You must be born of the Spirit, right? Right. Yeah, be born new. Right. Be yeah. renewed. Yeah. I would love to talk more on children's deliverance. I think that's a vital part of deliverance is also children's deliverance. Yes. I think we're going to do another episode to kind of finish this off later. There's a lot of need out there right now for deliverance and direction and deliverance ministry. Amen. So our next episode, we're going to touch on delivering children. Right. Release the captives that have been captivated by the spirit of incubus, the spirit of pornography. Release the people that's addicted to alcohol and drugs. We command the spirit of mammon to go in the name of Jesus. Those that have been addicted to money right now, those spirits have to go in Jesus' name. We speak to every spirit of witchcraft, Yes. every occult spirit. Yes. We command you to get out now in the name of Jesus. Spirit of religion, out. The spirit of lust, we command it to go in Jesus' name. The spirit of lying needs to go right now in Jesus' name. We command the spirit of death to go in Jesus' name. We Any infirmities needs to go right now in Jesus' name. Yes, we curse cancer at its root, and we command it to come out in the name of Jesus. 
We command seizures out of the person's body right now in Jesus' name. We speak to all religious spirits, and we command them to go to the feet of Jesus right now. Yes, Pride has to go in the name of Jesus. We command deaf ears to be opened right now in Jesus' name. Arthritis, we command it to leave in the name of Jesus. Right now, it has to loose you in Jesus' name. Come out. Come out. We bind all pain and command pain to leave your body right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. How about you say this prayer with us? Father, in the name of Jesus, I am now willing to place my body, my soul, and my spirit, and my entire life into your hands. I now ask that you place me into your perfect will for my life. From this moment on, I will choose to stay fully surrendered to you all the days of my life and your son, Jesus Christ, most mighty, most powerful, most holy name. Amen. That concludes our episode on deliverance today. Again, stay tuned because we're going to come back next week with an episode on children's deliverance. We love you. God loves you. And, and there's, there's nothing, nothing you, you can, can do, do about it. it. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed. But better yet, be a blessing.